Welcome to Blacklisted Marks. My name is Nick Stempauser. I My name is still Spencerfield. Hasn't changed. And uh, Nick is slightly stuffed up, hence the raspiness. However, I feel if you slow your voice down, you could get some serious good radio voice going on. I think you're right there, Spencer. There you go. There you go. Just <laughs> slow it down, and everybody will go, wow, Nick got voice implants or something. Um, yeah. Wait, what's that? Nick, I'm not supposed to rub my hands on the table? Is yeah, that what, is yeah, that what that's that sign language that's, was? The, uh, the high production quality of blacklisted remarks does not allow for us to touch the table on which <laughs> we are recording. <laughs> We're using the entire table to record. Yeah. It's just one big vibrating plate. Anyway, um, now that everyone's stopped listening to us, um, I actually I actually have a story to tell you. Um, this is gonna be a little bit self aware, I guess, or uh, maybe maybe meta because if the the those who uh, cause the story are listening to the still, story. yeah, then that's it, it. It will be a bit of a <clears throat> subtweet. Is that does that count as like a single inception or is that a, like a double entendre inception? I. I think that's just a single exception, okay. yeah. All right. So uh, I I was and I'll you know change names and all that for the sake of anonymity. Besides my own name, obviously. Um, well, talking... we could stop and you could introduce yourself as somebody else who has a different voice because <laughs> the voice recognition isn't going to pick up on this. There you go. Uh, so I was talking with a friend of mine a couple of days ago. I was say about two weeks ago, and this person um, commented. You know everybody hates you, and uh, I was obviously taken aback because I think like most people, who uh, who think somewhat highly of themselves, they think other people don't hate them. Yeah, or maybe not just like maybe people don't like me, but they don't actively right. hate me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I said, no, no, I didn't know I that. Do tell, <laughs> please fill me in. <laughs> On this, and so it turns out that uh, one of many sources of angst that I provide other people is uh, this podcast, hmm. which I thought was extraordinary. I just got a Facebook notification um, from February um, something of last year when we did our first podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which I was really surprised because I did not think we'd been doing this for a year. That year must have flown by. Um, so I've been doing this for a year, and, and I think we've had, like, a total of, like, 100 listens. Like, if you were to add up all 10 episodes that we have done uh, and look at, like, the views on YouTube and, and SoundCloud, I think we have, like, maybe, if we're lucky, 100 listens. Wow, that's got to be a, the first badge towards something. Yeah. And so I was astonished that anyone anywhere was listening that wasn't a bot, and those who were listening actually had vehement opinions about what we were saying. Now, vehement, unexpressed opinions. Unexpressed, we, true. We, we have had some expressions of opinions. It's true, right. But these are people that I, I interact with. Now, granted, not frequently, but they failed to mention the extremity of their opinions of, of us, but me specifically because they know me, as a result of this podcast. Most specifically, our very first one on abortion. Uh, Ooh, okay. Yeah, right. that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Well, because I'm a I'm a straight, white, privileged male who yep. has no right to tell a woman what to do with her body. Oh, absolutely. So so the fact that we spend an hour telling telling women what to do with their bodies <laughs> See, pretty much disqualified me from being like. So give the to give the listeners a little bit of like context to this conversation. A couple of weeks ago, Nick text uh, sent me a message and he said something along the lines of like. I didn't know blacklisted remarks was having like an effect on my social sphere. Yeah. And I read that and I'm like, hmm, one person must have gotten ticked off about something. And then I sat there for a few moments trying to figure out like, what do we talk about? Like, why does anybody care about our ontological perspective on life? Like, wh- what is there to be frustrated about? Yeah. Because this goes over 90% of people's heads and everybody who understands it by the very fact that they understand it, ha- usually hold a pretty open perspective. Um, yeah. But going back to uh, the hot topic, I might have forgotten we talked about that. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, we, we definitely, we, that was the first one we let off with uh, relatively low-hanging fruit in the hot-button world. But um, it's also the one that that's lowbrow, I would say. It, you, don't, you don't have to be an intellectual to talk about abortion. 
Sure. In in today's day and age, I see a lot of non-intellectuals talking about abortion, but like to talk about you know determinism, uh, you have to know a little bit about you know maybe philosophy or or neurochemistry or something like that. Well, I think there's a difference, and I'm sure you're aware of this. I would just say this maybe for the the two listeners' benefit that yeah. there are a lot of people which talk about topics. Um, like I talk about quantum mechanics. Right. Now I know jack about the entire topic, although I've read several books and yeah. I've talked to some um, like high level physicists in in long conversations. I know jack about it, so I certainly talk about it. So I I would agree that yeah anybody can talk about a topic, but whether or not they're really meaningful meaningfully engaging right. with kind of some of the underlying thoughts behind it. Anyway, so you you hear from one friend that, that you're hated by this group of people who are about to take some, some pitchforks and, <laughs> and uh, flaming torches and come after you well, no. because of your opinions. What's going to happen, and what has happened, is that I, I am not, I'm not working with these people now. Interesting. So, so I, I'm not going to overstate you know, my abilities, but I'm a qualified director of photography. Mm-hmm. I know how to operate a camera. And I'm often a go-to when it, in, you know in, in the in the small community. There's a couple of go-tos. Uh, you know, I won't name names, but there's I'd say like off the top of my head, there's like um, one big, big well-known person who's getting like all the work, and then like a couple of smaller people, such as myself, who mm-hmm. are like, oh, if you can't get this person, you go to Nick. Right. Um, and uh, I've had two opportunities presented and revoked as a result of my politics. Hmm. Um, explicitly like it's not like oh we just you know found somebody else it, it, i have I've, i have direct ear witness testimony <laughs> uh that i am a bigot a homophobe a transphobe uh you know and 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 as a result of my politics or my views on you know the things that we talk about here or my association with uh the people that are in my documentary mm-hmm. i am i am not uh What's what's that word? If you're a if you're a Scientologist and somebody pisses you off and you become like the un, it's like it's not an unspeakable. It's like a, you, you basically become blacklisted. I mean, <laughs> which I think was kind of why we titled yeah the the podcast blacklisted remarks. Um, we did this way, and so I've been I've been blacklisted explicitly for my political views um, by two one paying job and one non paying job both mm-hmm. films both short films um but also just in general there's this there's this vitriol against myself and i'm sure you but um because sure um but because i'm 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 known and, and what's interesting is it's because i'm doing things mm-hmm. you know if i just stayed in this office mm-hmm. and we just talked and i wasn't making films and releasing you know writings and like actually like making progress toward goals i don't think people would care as much but i think it's because i'm good at what i do and i do the things that i'm good at and i have the wrong opinions that it's it happens to be this this really big deal so um so yeah i've 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 had to take a moment and think about this because um i knew making this documentary that i was going to be ruining my chances in hollywood and then Hollywood turned out to basically just be a giant rape culture. And now I don't want to be part of Hollywood. <laughs> um, but I guess I I didn't realize how severe the backlash would be until, you know, my friend's telling me, like, the list of people who, like, openly and actively do not want to associate with me anymore mm-hmm. as a result of my opinions. And I watched, there was a documentary called Get Me Roger Stone. Um, and... The closing line of the film and the line that I nearly want to tattoo on myself because it was so appropriate is uh, is the thing that's kind of me getting me through this. Uh, it's I revel in your hatred because if I weren't effective, you wouldn't hate me. And so that to me is lets me know like, okay, I'm doing something right that I at least have an infamous reputation now, it's not a famous one, but it's an infamous one, and I'm okay with that. So I, I, I thought I just thought this whole situation was interesting. So uh, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what's been going on, whether or not you've received any similar backlash, or are we still in the uh, the place where nobody listens to our podcast? Besides my 
compatriots. Yeah, I would be. It would be really interesting to have one of these compatriots here, um, yeah. and, and just having a full kind of fleshed out conversation. Like, did you actually listen to what 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 Nick right. said, um, or did you just hear about something that somebody said Nick said? Yeah, and then like, well, that's what my friend was saying is that a lot of the people are getting now secondhand opinions. Right. So when I so the one of the films that I was gonna uh, DP, um, there was a whole scuffle with like who they were gonna get first, and then eventually I got an email and um, I responded shortly after with uh, my per diem and was quickly told that oh we found somebody else. Later I get a phone call from somebody who was speaking with the producer that emailed me. And uh, told that I was refused the position immediately after the initial contact because the um, the person who was the producer found out my association with Marley Yiannopoulos and then deemed myself a bigot. And the person was very vocal about it. And what my friend is telling me is that uh, people are getting secondhand opinions. They're hearing this producer talk. Mm -hmm. They know they don't like Milo. Mm -hmm. And then everyone just decides like, oh, okay, so, so Nick's so the Nick's worst a person. Too. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, and, and so I think what you're saying is true is that it's, I don't know that people need to listen to the podcast to make their decision because that's not how people make decisions about people and, or at least what I've been seeing, not just in this situation, but in the process of filming the documentary, I've seen like with these identity politics and whatnot, um, you know, if you have these characteristics, I don't need to listen to what you have to say. I'm just going to disregard you because you're a bigot now. Mm -hmm. So I do think you're right about that. I think it would also be interesting. I was listening to a, um, I'm going to touch the, the table, everybody. <laughs> be forewarned, I'm touching the table. Um, let me pull this up. I thought it was pretty good. So one of I, I am a constant podcaster, and one of my top podcasts is On Being um, with Crystal Tippett. And I, I, I have, there's a few people that I listen to this with and then have conversations with about, and we often call it a um, kind of a, a lifeline of sanity mm. in, in, a, in a talk radio world. So I was listening to this, this, uh, pres this conversation by Brene Brown, who uh, studies a lot on community and what does healthy community look like? How do we encourage community? Do we need community? A lot of those types of questions. And at kind of the end of the conversation she was having with Krista, she made this commentary and she goes, the days of the people who are becoming divisive are numbered. And I was like, hmm, Ooh. that's a, a pretty strong statement. Wow. And she goes, she said two years. I think that might have been a little, little flippant. I don't know that she was stand by that. But she goes, there is a movement of bringing people together and the people who bridge cultures or bridge um, kind of different social groups and provide this middle ground are the people who are going to be winning in the years to come. Uh, she goes, I think that there are forces and kind of made this unstated intonation towards like governmental or economic or political, like almost cabal-like forces trying to, to become divisive. Uh, but it, I think that is also pertains to this conversation and the idea that, sure, maybe these people are, you know, making snap decisions based on not full information. Um, maybe they're not giving you a chance to have a conversation. I think that's probably because we live in a hyper-competitive world with mm -hmm. so much information. And like, maybe Nick's not a bad guy, but I don't have time to figure out if he's not a bad guy. So Nick's off the table um, because I don't have time to deal with this. Let's move on to, you know, person number two. But I also think... According to Brene, and I think that there is some truth to this, maybe not as much as she puts onto it, but the day of the the um, bigots, and in it's interesting that I'm using the word term bigot, and they're using the term bigot, and we're using it in two different ways. Right. Um, but the, the individuals who are going to isolate or self-select or yeah. refuse to have conversations um, is maybe not as as prevalent or maybe will mm. not hold the same place in the future which it does today um, with and that kind of brings into the idea of acceptance that's really interesting I, I don't know that I believe that um, I'm curious like what her you know where she's pulling that uh, claim from uh, I don't know much about her or, or you know what she does if she's you know inter interacting with society a lot from what I've seen 
uh, flying across the country and interviewing people and, and going to these riots for uh, the, the documentary, I don't see an end in sight. Um, I think as long as Donald Trump is president and as long as uh, kids keep getting shot in schools and as long as airports keep getting blown up, um, these these things are still going to be fought over in the streets and people are still going to uh, lose friends over, unfriend them on Facebook and say I'm not going to talk to you and disinvite them from dinner parties and stop working with them. And I think that that's all going to happen because uh, people are losing loved ones. It has to do with what people care most about. Um, you know, they really care about these things. So I do think, actually, this is going to get worse uh, over the next two years. I mean, there might be a, a breaking point. Maybe that's what she's talking about. But I don't see it, like, slowly getting better. I only see it reaching a tipping point and then just exploding and there's a civil war that happens between, you know, the far right and the far left and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, it's, to give you an example, um, in, in any one of these riots that you'll go to, or I'm sorry, protests, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll have... Peaceful demonstrations. Peaceful demonstrations. You'll have um, a bunch of black-clad, masked, Antifa, and by any means necessary members um, with glass bottles filled with concrete and uh firecrackers and and sometimes uh k bars and and it's it gets nasty and then you have you know people on the right most of them are armed in defensive gear uh you know they'll wear um vests and masks and whatnot so it looks like they're preparing for a civil war but kind of in a childish way where it's like none of these people are soldiers but they, they you know they do have Cabela's near their house so they went there um and they're and and of like the 500 people in these riots you'll find like two medics which is some kid who might be like in nursing school wearing uh red tape on his arm in the shape of a, of a cross um running around helping the people that are getting bludgeoned and then you'll have like two hippies that wear t-shirts that say like hugs free hugs and they're going around trying to hug people. So there's like four out of the 500 who are actively trying to not polarize the event. Um, so I, I, I don't think that that's the trajectory we're going in. I, so I, I think from, I have never been part of a peaceful demonstration. Um, <laughs> nor have Neither I, ever, have I. <laughs> I never, nor have I ever thrown a glass bottle full of concrete, which just doesn't seem like a very effective way to. to... It's not. It's you just throw like a brick. Yeah, like... it feels like a waste of glass. Yeah. Um, but and and Brene kind of addresses this, and I was actually intending once I finished listening to it, which I haven't done yet, to send it to you and a couple other people for your enjoyment. And she makes this statement. She goes, "So I, she recently published a new book." And she's been touring the country. I think this was actually back in 2017, um, near the end of 17, which we were, you know, just as divisive then as we are. Oh, yeah. Are now. And she has she has this thing. She goes, so far during my book tour, I can conservatively estimate that I've talked to about 25,000 people, give yeah. or take. And she says, during my presentation, I almost always ask people to raise their hands if uh, somebody that they deeply and truly love, that they care for on like a very deep level, voted for somebody in, on the opposite side of the aisle, right. and they are just missed, like totally cannot comprehend why are yeah. mystified. And like 90% of the hands go up. They're yeah. all like, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't understand why my sister did that. I love her deeply, but I'm concerned for her mental sanity. Yeah. Uh, and then she goes, has everybody put their hands down? She goes, okay, now... Put your hand up if this has stopped you from being in a meaningful relationship. Now, mind you, this is about 25,000 people she's talked to. She goes, about every event, so maybe 100 people, have put up their hand. She goes, one or two people every time put up their hand. And she goes, well, there is certainly in our society this move towards um, isolationism, to finding the group of people that you get along with um, and having conversations with that. She even talks about, like, 
we now select our grocery stores based on the people that we go to. You know, like maybe Democrats will go to Whole Foods more often and maybe yeah. Republicans go to Walmart more often. Um, the gyms that we go to. Planet they, Fitness yeah. is more left and, you know, Iron or like, you know, Gold's Gym or more privately owned gyms or more right wing. Yeah, I don't know how that would break down, but she made up kind of all these notes that how we are we are siloing ourselves. <laughs> and she said, and this is despite that, she goes, we do move forward. And I, this kind of brings me back. So put that idea on the table. I'm touching the table again to make a point. Um, <laughs> and then she makes a second. Um, she doesn't make this point. I make, I, I'll add this to the conversation, which is you look back at where from 2000 to 2018, the huge, massive, like culturally unimaginable shift in the American and the Western culture of the homosexual movement, just absolutely insane from a from a historical perspective, how quickly that that changed within our country, just un totally unimaginable from from like it being uncomfortable to come out as gay to like it's uncomfortable to be straight yeah 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 in some scenarios yeah and so in the course of 18 years and you think that between three and five percent of the the population um would self-report as gay and some people say it's as high as seven percent i'm I don't know how you see that, but you see that we've had this massive cultural shift with three to five percent um, of people being represented in this group. And so while I certainly agree with you, and I know several of them, and they just boggle my mind with this like um, isolationism, this vitriol, this defriending, this isolation, yeah. this you don't believe exactly what I believe in the way that I believe it, and you are you know actively um, communicating your opinions. You're not just silent on the topic, and I will cut you out. Like, I do know those people. Yeah. And I, I have had that happen to me. If you don't believe the way I believe, you are now, you know, excommunicated from from my cultural sphere. Yeah. But I at least want to believe and think that there is some evidence for that these people are going to self-silo themselves away. And while there will certainly be these pockets of crazy, that you're also seeing people wanting to come together and wanting to have conversations and understanding that we live in a really complex society and the ability to hold conflicting ideas in your head and balance them and say like while I don't agree with this person I can still love them is is hopefully a trend and I think there's some evidence to say that that is a trend um, moving into the future yeah it's possible Um, I, I guess I'll believe it when I see it um, Wait, hold on. This is this dynamic's broken. I'm supposed to be the pessimist. <laughs> this we broke something here. Um, I I think it's really interesting where it's coming from. If if you look at it from a strictly political standpoint, um, this tribalism that's happening is being promulgated by the left, which is paradoxical because if you you know look at the history of the political left, uh, at least on the surface or at least socially. They're supposed to be the party of inclusion and the party of tolerance and acceptance and 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 civil rights and whatnot, and it's becoming the party of uh, militant suppression um, of differing ideas. It's almost like um, oh, I probably shouldn't use that analogy. Let me see. I guess it's like if you remember, have you seen Ender's Game or have you read the book? I read the book. Okay, yeah. so. I saw the movie. I don't know if the book has the same scene where the bully that's bullying Ender um, one day gets his comeuppance and, and Ender just like kicks the shit out of him. Does that yeah. happen in the book? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he, he, he didn't stop and then the person asked, you know, the teacher or whatever asked, like, why didn't you stop? He said, because I didn't want him to ever do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if Ender was like still kicking the bully. Like, like to this day, like, since the book was written, he just, like, keeps kicking the bully to the point where, like, he become Ender becomes the villain, the prote- uh, the antagonist, you know, the, the, the bully and whatnot. I think what's kind of happened with the left, it's like, okay, so society was really terrible to black people. The left is like, we got this, and they fixed it. Martin Luther King, great. Society's really bad to gay people. Same thing. They fixed it. Awesome. Women, great. They're doing a great job with all this. But, like, they did their job. Like, it's done. 
Well, okay, I'm gonna jump in here before well, you get no, lambasted some more. No, 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 no. Let me finish my point. Uh, okay, got it. I have no shame now. Yeah, I have no shame. It, it, what you just said has d- dug a deep hole. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What All I'm right. saying is, I'll let you keep digging. They did their job in that. I personally, and you might disagree with me, and I know sure as hell everyone else disagrees with me, I don't believe in the gender pay gap. I don't believe that gays are discriminated against. And I don't think that black people are any worse off in this country than white people from an opportunity standpoint. But what's happening from the left is they're saying, like, repent for your sins way after we've repented for the sins. And their idea of reparation is to then crush the people who uh whose parents and great grandparents were the assholes so uh a very very small case would be like something like affirmative action where it's like okay we discriminated against peoples of color or or of of smaller demographics um in in like the 50s and 60s and 70s okay now we don't but now what we're doing is we're giving the scholarships to peoples of color instead of the 4.0 uh, white kid. Because, not because of the GPA, the person of color, but because he's a person of color. And so it, it, it's, it's this strange inversion of reasoning and, and, and this inversion of, of power um, in a generation where there is no inequality of opportunity to the degree that the left believes there is. So how deep is the hole that I have just dug? I'm curious. Or maybe I've saved myself a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's an analogy that can express how deep this hole is, wow. actually. okay, okay. Like, um, have you ever seen the movie, like, I think it's called The Core, where they have to dig to the center of the earth to restart the rotation? <laughs> no, that okay. sounds like it, a it's great a, film. It's about that deep. Um, okay, okay. Roughly. Now, are you saying that because you don't agree with me, or are you saying that because, from a societal standpoint, everyone else doesn't agree with me? Well, I don't agree with you, but you're not, like, I don't agree with a lot of people, and I still love them and can live, live in a relationship with them, and I'll explain how I disagree okay, in a sure. moment. You're not, you're not a huge hole on, in my book. Right. Um, there's very few people who are in huge holes um, in, in my little construction of the universe. Yeah. Um, of which I'm the center of, and, but, but in other people's, yeah, it's a pretty... Pretty massively deep hole. Pretty massively. So take it take it point by point. Where did I where did I hit magma? When was it the iron <laughs> core? So I think probably about fifteen seconds in. Okay. You probably struck molten lava. Okay. Or or magma because we're under the surface of the the earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that, you might have run into some like massively sharp diamonds, which have started <laughs> to slice up um, any shred of reputation you had left. Nice. And then you just full-on rammed into a hyper-compressed core um, full speed and kind of, like, crunched every, nice. every, everything which hadn't been shredded or melted. Okay. So, well, where, where did that start? Well, go ahead. So here's a statement that you ended with that I agree with. <laughs> I was like, okay, there was at least some redeeming. So when they come in moments throwing stones through my office window, I can say, but listen to this end part and save myself, like, 45 more seconds of life. Um, you said to the extent which the left propagates, um, yeah. or promulgates. And I agree that there are some groups and individuals out there who tend to be on the left who have this like guilt, shame culture. Yeah. This and, manichaeistic. Yeah, it's almost like they want me to like stand up as a, as a white middle-class man and like whip myself on the back. That's as, exactly what they want. As a, as a statement of apology. Yeah. To all of these other groups um, and I would agree that there are some groups which have have pushed this too far on board okay that's where I stopped agreeing <laughs> okay. okay when you say statements like there is no gender discrimination there is no um, sexual orientation discrimination there is no uh, racial discrimination I would say like show me the evidence I would say I, I don't know I don't think I use the word uh, but I would say systemic in that or institutional. And those are the two words that I would use. Meaning on a personal level, there is discrimination, which discrimination is not a bad thing. Bigotry is where it gets bad, right? We discriminate against ideas all the time. Sure. Good idea, bad idea. Yep. Uh, and that's a that's a whole rabbit hole that I may or may not go into. That's a good conversation to have. But bigotry itself is to discriminate uh, based on things that are like, you know, you can't help and then to deem them unworthy of, of, you know, dignity as a result of that. 
And I'm saying that on a personal level, that absolutely exists. 100% I'm not denying that. I'm not saying that like things like you know rape don't happen. And I'm not saying things like you know women don't get discriminated or sexually harassed in the workplace or that like the N-word isn't used toward black people. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm saying from a systemic and institutional standpoint, and I do have evidence for all of these claims, that there is there is no institutional racism, there's no institutional homophobia, that the gender pay gap is not because they are women, it's, there's, uh, that's, I think, one half of 1% of the reason. All right, I'm throwing another, pay gap. A, another life ring to see if we can dig you out okay. of this. So, you're using very strong language when you say there is none, there is no institutional or systemic discrimination or bigotry. I would say that there has been a significant reduction, but I think that there are still certainly examples of systemic. Um, I think or there are examples. I think there's anecdotal evidence, but I don't think to say like the police are racist. I think is to say like so, there is a systemic issue of racism in the country, and I don't agree with that. So I would point, and no, actually, I'm not going to point to that. We'll have that conversation another time because the the bigger point that I'd like to point to is that. Um, all of these, all of the, I'm just going to use the word discrimination. I'm, I'm familiar with right. there, there's better terminology, are dealt with on the on the personal level. That the only way that racism affects is on a personal level. There's no like racism bubble, you know, fighting in the clouds with this other thing, which is then raining terror. The only way which racism ever like um, manifests itself is when one individual or group of people choose to take actions against or not in the benefit or the best favor of another group or group of people. So when you say that it's here on a personal level, I'd say that is the problem. And that's been the, the biggest problem through time immemorium that sure it is awesome that there's been this reduction in laws and organizational and systemic discrimination. I'm all on board with that. Like, good job. But where the rubber actually meets the road and where, where people are actually getting hurt and where we're not showing love and respect and kindness um, and humanizing others is at that personal relationship. So, well, I agree that there are individuals who have who have this like guilt shame culture going on that we probably can move past or I would like to move past. Um, I think that there is still a lot of work which needs to be done on the personal level and that doesn't need to be addressed in the way which it has been been addressed before. Maybe the way to address those that personal um, biasm or racism is not with you know mobs in the streets. Maybe it's a different manner. But I'd say that as we both agree there's still this personal level and that is the most important part of this conversation. Yes and no. Uh because you can be a racist and still not hurt anyone. Like, you can hate Latinos. Sure. And everything can be okay. You're just an asshole, right? But if you still treat Latinos with respect, you just don't like them because they're Latinos. Like, okay, you know, I can still respect you and I'm sure. going to. Uh, I don't respect your opinion, you know. And and uh, one of the quotes by Andrew Breitbart that I, I really liked, and um, you know, just naming Andrew Breitbart's a good way to get blacklisted. But, um, he says, "I sleep really well at night when I'm called a racist. You know why? Because I'm not a fucking racist." He's like, "That's enough for me to sleep well is to know that I'm not." So, you know, to all the people that just sort of sling these words around they're the ones causing the division and i think so what i'm trying to say with with the left being the, the promulgators of this division even though they're supposed to be the party of tolerance and acceptance is that as i was saying that they went too far and that their job's done let's take a different example of, of feminism or, or, or uh, third wave feminism and uh, the gender pay gap because they go they go hand in hand. That's often one of the things you'll hear talked about. If you're talking to a feminist, they'll say, "Well, a woman makes seventy seven seventy seven cents for every dollar a man makes," and they they hear it and then they repeat it and then everyone believes it and then there's tweets that say "kill all white men" and "bathe in male tears" and there's just this like hatred of of male uh, what is it. 
masculine toxicity. No, 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 no. Toxic masculinity. That's the that's the phrase. I don't know if you've heard that going around. No. Yeah, toxic masculinity. It's like to to be masculine is to be toxic and to be evil. And so like there's this this effemination of of uh, left wing men as a result of this because it's like it's bad to be, you know, the traditional masculine male. Uh, but okay, so the left first wave feminism pursued by the left, right? Susan B. Anthony, women should vote. 100% on board, obviously, the whole you know, world was, or at least America. Well, eventually. Second wave feminism. Uh, you know, women should be treated identically in the, uh, in the workplace, you know, be paid the same, all these things. Both of those were achieved. Third wave feminism is trying to do what second wave feminism did, but they already accomplished it. And so then as a result of that, what they're doing is they're deprecating masculinity as a res- uh, in an effort to uh how do I how do I phrase this they're putting men underneath their heels as though to like make amends for the history of 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 misogyny or of of inequality toward women and so what i'm saying is like they have done their job they have accomplished the goal of giving the equality of opportunity to women and if you want me to delve into the gender wage gap, I can. No, I've read the data myself. Yeah. Uh, then, then they are they are going beyond what they have already accomplished, and it's it's resulting in in the thing that they fought originally to destroy, which was inequality between the genders. Okay. Spencer has notes on his hands. I do have notes in my hands. That clicking you were hearing was me taking my glasses off to have a serious conversation, and because they were dirty, and then clicking my pen to, to note down some thoughts that, All right. I'm, that I'm having. Okay. First thought um, is that during our conversation, a lot of outgroup homogeneity is being expressed, which is when we use language like they, them, all of those. Right. And... So that could be, like, my first thought is that we need to be really careful when we're having this, this conversation about stereotyping an entire quarter, a third of the country and saying, all of you believe or are doing this. Because, thought two, the individuals which you're referencing, there's, there's relatively few of them. They're just really loud and their voices are echoing all over the place. I disagree. So I think if you were to look up the amount of hashtags which are used, like... Um, for uh, like bathe in male blood I, or was it the male tears that one was entertaining I thought that was yeah. like I just had this like picture of like buckets of male tears going for a really high price at yeah. auction or kill all white men yeah if you were to look at how many hashtags are trending around on Twitter and we probably could just do this I would say that in comparison to other hashtags which are trending around in Twitter um, that they are relatively few now that's not an argument though i mean like in comparison to how many okay the yeah that was a bad reddit retweets the core example that i'm talking about is that while we see these like hyper vigilant hyper um extremes of both the left in this conversation the left wing so far that they are the extreme, which means that there aren't a lot like them. Because if there weren't, they weren't. They wouldn't be the extreme. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there is a small percentage of the left that is extreme. I'm saying that the left, in itself, as the left of doing what it is trying to do, as as like left of, you know, center in in from a political view, they are they are now beating a dead horse, and and that by definition of being politically left, is deprecating to society. Okay, here we keep going. We've crossed off the top and the bottom line okay. on my hand. All right. All right, but I'm adding on I'm adding on one more here. Okay. Okay, so the next the next thought I have on, on my hand, my chron- non-chronologically available thoughts, is that we're having this conversation about the left, which, okay, here we go. Nick, I agree with you that there are elements of the left which are beating a dead horse and are causing a, a reeking stench because of it. Like, yeah. I agree with you that there are elements of that. I think that it's also worth just mentioning that there are also many individuals on the right which are beating other things, causing similar wrenches, or the term I often hear is pouring gas on the fire of these, these groups in between. And I think that our president is a phenomenal example 
of somebody who is acting in maybe inappropriate or um, less than presidential ways. What would make you say that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it was just a story which I've been hearing, and there was a hashtag I saw. Uh, so just to keep our conversation somewhat balanced, this is happening both on the left. It is happening on the left. But it is also happening on the right, and we could probably invert a lot of the things that we're saying and probably say them to the right. Okay, now we're going to move on to the fifth item. Which Am I was... not allowed to respond No, to not yet. I'm on a tirade. Okay. Um, the, the, the next item, if you want a pen to write on your hand, I, I have a, a pen you can use. <laughs> the next idea would be, you're using this term like the left, like there is a, a left. When you look at our political spheres today, there's a lot of qu- people questioning like, what does what is the Democratic Party? What is the Socialistic Party? What is the left? And you're saying like, and you made the statement, everybody left of center, like like there's some center that we can be referencing. There's no still moving targets um, that we can, still moving targets? There are no still targets that we could say like, this is center and anything left of this, you know, portrays this opinion. So I'd say when you're talking about this left, you're talking about this like vaporous group of people who have some affiliation but I don't know that if you asked a hundred. I heard a reporter say the other day, if you ha- asked a hundred Democratic senators and um, ha- um, House members what the left stood for, you would get ninety-eight different answers yeah. on what was going on. So I'd say there's no left. Okay. Finally, fi- final thought, and then I'm I'm open for responses and being shown where I'm in error, <laughs> is that I think what is happening is that within our society there is a lack of community. Um, and I would, I would venture true community and I would venture to say, sharing the thoughts of Brene Brown, that this may be, if you look at all of throughout history, um, this time may be the time where we are truly in, have the, the largest lack of true community throughout the entirety of history. Mm. And this is creating a vacuum in our society where people desperately know that they want community, um, and they're filling it with all sorts of substitutes. And one of those substitutes is to be in a group of people who have a common enemy. And so yeah. as these people are looking, as they are hurt, as they are looking to fill gaps in their life, as they know that something is wrong or missing, they feel that they should be filling that in with community. And the quickest way to community most of the time is finding a common enemy. And by saying like, you know, um, toxic masculinity or it's the white's fault or if only the straight people could get their heads screwed on you know correctly or the ceos are just disconnected by finding an enemy pointing fingers and throwing a concrete filled glass bottles you are creating this like insta fake community um it's like ramen noodles for dinner (laughs) and it's it's quick it's easy it has no nutritional value and so I would say that the reason that this is happening, both on the left and on the right, is because we have a lack of community and they're creating common enemies. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So don't erase the what's on your hand because I'm going to take it point by point. Got um, it. Starting with uh, it's happening on the left and the right. And yeah. using the they and the them. And outgroup homogeneity. How, outgroup homogeneity. It's in my flashcard deck to, of terms to remember. That's why nice. I just looked it up. Now, I think there you're just dead wrong. Um because and 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 I'm not just gonna say like I've been to a riot I've seen what's <laughs> happened like like across the board there are not conservatives and Republicans that are shutting down leftist speakers on campuses you will not find an example of that happening nor will you find an example of conservatives or Republicans destroying hundreds of thousands millions of dollars of property as a result of somebody speaking who they disagree with. You will not see conservatives uh, lambasting the their their leftist friends and and refusing to work with them as a result of their ideas. So when I say they them the left, I'm saying it because I'm being objective, not because I happen to be on the right and it's only coming from the left. And one of the things that I I I, I watched this happen to myself. That I thought was really interesting when I was. Growing up very Catholic, I thought that they're, like, I was very tribalistic. It, it was, like, us versus them. Like, Catholics are correct. Christians aren't even, like, you know, they're, they're, they're wannabe Catholics. And then everyone else is just really the, way the far off, you know. And, 
And so I, I was like, we are right, they are wrong. And then as I slowly became an atheist, I started to realize like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm a humanist. You know, everybody, it's okay. Everyone's equal. Everyone's the same. All these ideas are like, you know, we should accept and love everyone. You know, we can't hate gays. We can't hate Muslims. We can't hate all these people. And I still agree with that. But then I sort of found this new ground that I that I found to be more firm than the last two opinions, which is that there is such thing as right and wrong. And there is such thing as like a good and a bad idea. And you can't be afraid to say like, these people are doing wrong things and these people are doing right things. So um, is there hostility coming from both sides? Yes. But is there like violent suppression or like active movements to like destroy the ideology of the other side coming from the right? I do not see it. I don't think there's any evidence for it anywhere. Any? Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's the, what's the next one? Uh, so I kind of didn't take them in orders and I may not be able to still read my writing as my, uh, my hands tend not to be a good item. Um, so the next one I have, um, in here. So I had left versus right. Um, the, an early one I talked about was outgroup homogeneity. I think you just really hit about on that one. Yeah. Um, and then how about your use of, um, extreme unqualified statements, all of them totally inclusive without exception. So saying, everybody left of center. Okay. Okay. For sure. For sure. Uh, that, you know, that might've been hyperbole. What I'm trying to say is that the ideology of the left, and when I say the left, um, and this is another point, which I was interested in hearing. Yeah. Your yeah. On. yeah. When I, when I say the left, it's, it's hard because the words Democrat and Republican mean pretty much nothing in 2018, in my opinion. And if you look at like the history of like the words Democrat and Republican, you know, like GOP, Grand Old Party, like they flip-flopped at one point in history. Like the Democrats were the ones that like held current conservative views and the Republicans were the ones that held the current, you know, democratic yep. views. And then it flipped throughout you know, history. And then I think now in like the, you know, where we are in maybe 2008, I'd say when Obama was elected, this is when I started seeing the division happening and then especially you know, in light of Trump and what's going on. Um, it's it was like you know when you have pepper on the surface of water and you drop a little bit of soap on the top and the pepper just shoots to the sides of the bowl it's like we lost the middle there is no middle anymore it's like if you are a political person and granted there's like the middle people who are like i don't watch the news i don't care but the people who like i'm going to study politics they go one way or the other you know they go really far left or they go really far right so when i say like the left i'm that's why it's like I'm comfortable saying that because I'm not talking about the people who are like, yeah, being gay is okay. I'm talking about the people who are like social justice warrior, liberal, died in the world, liberal, feminists, um, you know, whatever, you know, label you want to throw on that because like I do see that being the majority of politicized people. And as for evidence for like this, this polarization happening on, on uh, that there's no more right or left – uh, just look at Jordan Peterson. Just look at Lindsey Shepard. Just look at Cassie J. These are liberals. These are people who avowed typical leftist ideologies. And the moment they dare give credence to an idea that didn't fall into that area, the left chewed them up and shit them out, and they ran to the right. Lindsey Shepard was a leftist student at uh, University of Toronto. And she dared show a video of Jordan B. Peterson and the left just shit her out. And now she's fled to the right. She's been red. It's called, it's called being red pilled and you're seeing it happen all the time. People are red pilled to the left and the right because it's so divisive that like you go one side or the other. So, um, when I say the left, that's why like, I'm okay with saying like, this is, you know, it, it cause it's, it is them. And I don't see that coming from the right. You wrote another note in your hand, though. Should we continue going through the other notes yeah, first? Yeah, I, I actually created a line and then under the line wrote the note just to ensure some, some congruency it. to the conversation. Um, and so I think that you kind of addressed the what is the left idea, yeah. which whatever. Um, <laughs> and then so the, the final like idea that I would be interested in hearing is that you talk about this center um as if like there's a reference point everything yeah. to the left of center what do you mean by the center i don't think there is a center anymore um in the same way that well it, it's kind of hard to say i mean when i was growing up and it was like uh bush versus 
oh, who did he run against? Mm. George George W. Um, the other guy. The other guy. Oh, Gore. Uh, you know, there was an independent party. You know, you're like, I vote Republican. Well, I vote Democrat. And then there's people in the middle who are like, I'm going to vote in. I'm independent. And, you know, my history teacher was quote-unquote independent. And I I always took that as code for, for Democrat because independents you know, mostly voted Democrat. But there was, like, a middle ground where you're like, you know, I kind of agree with both. And it was sort of just like cherry picking, like, yeah, I think we could use stricter gun laws, but I don't really want to repeal the Second Amendment. And homosexuality is like, okay, but like, you know, maybe don't do this about it. Or there was just, and, and it was just kind of like this middle ground. But I'm saying like, that's, that's gone there. Um, I don't know that there is a center anymore. Um, I think there's just a group of ideas or, or like a framework of ideas that can be labeled uh, left and right. Um, and but if you were to look at it like a a, a line, um, where you know you have socialists on one side and fascists on the other, and then um, it's it, it gradiate great gradiates, yeah, gradiates uh, inward like radiation. I think it's I think it's actually a U shape, and almost almost a circle in that the extreme of the right and the extreme of the left like basically touch. In that they have gone so far that they become essentially the same thing. The furthest right, like the alt-right, neo-Nazi, whatever, like the people who are actually what everyone calls me, uh, look a hell of a lot like Antifa in the same same identity politics, same uses of violence, same tribalism, um, same indiscriminateness of thought. Like all of that still happens, which is why I think it's, uh, the audience can't see, but it's like, I, I, I see it as like a U-shaped or almost like a, like the power button with a line in the middle. Yeah. And there's like a, there's like a slight line that like you don't cross. And the only reason it's not being crossed is because like there is still some vestiges of like, okay, you're kind of a Republican, you know, but they just take it so far. Um, you know, on the, on the very far right you have, um, and I mean like very, very far right. Like don't get this confused with like Jeff Sessions. Like we're talking about like the furthest right you can go. You have the Daily Stormer and people making, like, anti-Semitic jokes. And that's the same on the very far left, where they're saying, kill all white men, but they're they're completely serious about it. So, um, I don't think there's a middle anymore. I, I think the, the plane kind of just turned into a mountain, and everyone slid down both sides. Hmm. What, about, uh, what about that last note you wrote down? So this, this last note, I, and I think that this could probably entire conversation of anecdotal examples could be probably locked in with a couple of Google searches. It is my perspective that the political parties and the idea of left and right are falling apart um, and have been falling apart for a while and will continue to fall, fall apart. And while you will continue to have the loudest, the most boisterous people on the the bottoms of either side of this mountain or the tips of either side of the, these U's, that people are become are really becoming issue voters. So hold, hold on, go into that on. a little bit more. Okay. No, I just need you to clarify. I'm not yeah. disagreeing yet. Um, <laughs> what I mean what I mean for clarification is uh, are you saying that like the institutions of conservatism and liberalism, like those ideas are going to dissolve? Like what do you mean by that? So I think um, in my lifetime, I believe that what was the Republican Party, this relatively densely packed group of people with similar ideas um, and values has started to soften and loosen. Like, think of this as a lush bath bomb. You know, <laughs> back in the 70s and 80s, this was a, a fresh lush bath bomb, but it has been put into a hot bath of water and is disintegrating over time. Okay. And I think the left has been in this bath a little bit longer and has dis disintegrated a little bit more. And that there are certainly people will rally around one speaker or the other or one issue, individual issue like abortion or the other or gun control or the other. But when it comes to really solid, like fresh, lush bath bombs, um, I don't. I think that those are dissolving, and I think that while in opinions and vitriol, you are right that there is this U shape or this mountain or this almost touching circle. 
where you have very you know vitriolic opinions coming together. I also think that when you look at your you know quote everyday voter, your man on the street, your not neo Nazi, um, the person who doesn't have a talk show host, that while they may agree with the neo Nazi on a couple of items, that on a couple of items they they disagree, and that the polarization which we're seeing um, isn't total polarization in the the item like these two bath bombs are moving apart from each other it's that for given issues we are seeing polarization on given issues and the reason that we're seeing that is because of the sense of community that people are looking for they need to join a group so they'll join you know the the um, Brene said I'm quoting Brene a lot today um, she said something along the, the lines of if you can find a pay point, pain point identify somebody to blame for that and then say we're going to go do something about that you will almost always win the social the social group so is there a difference between community and tribalism yes massive difference now what's the difference i don't know the answer to that question because okay. so, when i hear community like that's is a positive word when i hear tribalism is a negative word but when you describe them i don't know that i can see the difference sure i so i am currently trying to and I actually, for years, I was looking through some old notes that I have, have been trying to nail down, like, what does a healthy community look like? Is it yeah. built around a group of ideas? Um, and I was talking to a couple of people this week about this topic. And uh, it's one idea which has become prevalent in my my conversations is that a community is not is, is the valuing of another individual for that in the inherent value of the individual and so a community can have both you know vehement left and vehement right in it but they value each other not based on their beliefs or their perspectives but because who they are as the human they see and recognize that innate humanness the the reason that the right that the right ring doesn't think that you should kill off babies because there's something um, unique or valuable about them just by the very fact that they're human or what Eastern culture, like whenever um, people say like namaste in yoga, they're saying right. like, depending on who you talk to, um, they're saying like the love and the light, the goodness, the wholeness, the essence of me sees the goodness and the essence of you and I respect that. And so community yeah. is based around not what you believe or not who you hate or not who you like or not what music you listen to or not what job you go to or not what kind of car you drive um, not what kind of sports you like. All of those are fake communities and are real or are imposter communities. And a real community is instead this inherent value of another individual simply because they are another human individual. That sounds like good religion. Um, so I think that oftentimes religion is an imposter community. In that I do too, but what you're describing, like willing the good of the other as other mm -hmm. is what I was taught in Catholic schools the definition of love and so when I hear that like a community is doing that for everyone um, that just to me sounds like you know John Lennon got up on the stage and was just like why don't we just love everybody and smoke weed <laughs> you know like I that'd be great um, I think there's obstacle obviously this is a stupid comment i think there's obstacles to that um <laughs> no there's are you kidding me we got rid of those back in the 90s punk I, rock took care of those <laughs> but i mean i think the obstacles um i don't know that the solution is is just like i don't think the solution is community i think the solution leads to community that makes sense. So what would you say the solution is? This is getting dangerously close to... I don't like the word solution. <laughs> what do you what think do you the final that... solution is, Nick? <laughs> what are some next steps that we could take towards a healthier yeah, what environment? It, yeah, what does it look like? Um, it looks like a couple of things. Um, I think ego death is a good, good start. Hmm. Because... If I disagree with you and I use that disagreement to devalue you, mm -hmm. 
that's a result of, of, of ego, of me saying that, you know, like I'm creating a self out of, of this ideology and because you uh, don't agree with it, like there can be no communion between us. Uh, a less Eastern way to put that would be um, humility, I think. Um, the ability to say, I am wrong. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable with the idea of the left proving me wrong, which is why I went from a Republican to a classical liberal. Like I was persuaded by the ideas of LGBTQ and I was persuaded by the ideas of, uh, a lot of the ideas of feminism and, um, and I was persuaded by so many of these ideas. I just didn't follow them all the way down the rabbit hole. Um, so I think like progress looks like conversation. We're fighting a war of ideas, but we're not fighting it with conversation. And that needs to be like the only thing that we fight it with, period. Um, it's not violence. It's not suppression. Um, my all-time go-to quote on this subject is from John Stuart Mills is on liberty when he says um, society would be no more uh... so I see progress doesn't look like violence it looks like conversation uh... so I so the two thoughts which are like screaming in either, either sides of my head is like the rhetorical question well where does good conversation happen Yeah. in community no. I think good conversation only happens when there is at least a fundamental level of respect. Respect, yes, but I don't see like that mushy love that you're kind of mentioning. No, I, so what I, I, I tried to be careful, and this is this lack of um, clear definition is not because I'm a poor communicator, however I can be at times. It's because I don't know. I haven't found anybody who really gets this nailed down yet. But that community, like... The process of us having a conversation here and me valuing you as a person like this is an example of community. And when you go, when I go to like Dot on Tap, which is this conversation, this roundtable conversation of people on you know all sides of the perspective, sitting down, and that when I am willing to not shout down somebody else because I view that as disrespectful to that personhood, like that moment is a moment of community. And so I don't think that community is like. 15 people getting together on the weekends holding hands singing kumbaya and smoking pot i think that community is more of a a state of being and that when you use the terms like respect and humility those are kind of two more adjectives or synonyms that we can throw onto the definition of what community is and that's something i can get behind that promotion of community and i think that if that's the way that we phrase it i'm i'm a hundred percent behind that um i i think it I think community looks like a hell of a lot like the entire enactment of the First Amendment. Yeah, because, maybe. Be, well, no, because t- it, the First Amendment is dependent on a community. And I think maybe that's why it's under fire, because there is no community right now. And vice versa. There's commu- no community, and therefore it's under fire. Well, and so here's where I think, so you say conversation is a positive next step. And I would say that conversation is has what got us here and that people would have conversations and then they would kind of both throw up their hands and go, oh, he's just, I can't even, and walk out of the room. Um, and so I think that conversation is an important part, but the bigger part, which I think has yet to be talked about so far in our conversation, is the ability to say, like, you know, Nick is thoroughly and completely wrong on this topic, like, he must be insane. He must have hit his head. I He's been indoctrinated. There's some like alien telepathy nonsense going on. But with all of that, I am still not going to name call or say I refuse to work with Nick because he has these perspectives. And it's the ability to live within a society of tension and to say like, despite these frustrations or confusions, I am going to maintain this relationship so I think conversation's a good start, but I think conversation, we, we see conversations like, or bad example, but you see people screaming at each other on Reddit yeah. all the time, or you see people screaming at each other on Twitter, or during these 
you know, demonstrations, the little bits of it that I hear about on NPR or, or the, you know, when I'm sitting somewhere and the news is on, is that there will be people who are having conversations and it's a pretty close conversation. I mean, there's probably a solid three and a half inches between their noses. <laughs> and and with the amount of fist throwing, I'm sure those fists land, you know, pretty deep. Uh, and so I would say that it goes beyond conversation and has to in- yeah. include this ability to live within a self-balancing um, organism or the ability to live with tension or just that respect of seeing something more than, you know, a a pile of flesh and some electricity running around yeah was that your final note there that was my official final note. that was your official final note nick would you have a, a closing note <sighs> this is your last chance to keep yourself from from being run over by a car no intentionally i am you you say that but uh i was about and actually technically still am going to be interviewing heather Heyer's mother susan bro and heather Heyer was the uh, woman who was ran over in Charlottesville by the Dodge Charger in the free speech protest. I didn't follow that, but okay. I'm saying that there that ha- what you are saying will happen to me uh, has happened. To somebody else. <laughs> to somebody else, and I'm interviewing the mother of the deceased. Okay. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, or these will be, you know, your, your words in memoriam. Yeah, maybe it is. It's... I don't I don't feel like I have anything more to say. Like I'm not here to backtrack, obviously, cuz I I <laughs> wedged... there was no backtracking. No, I went I went balls to the wall harder on everything that I kind of mentioned over the last 10 episodes. Um and it's it's kind of like I'm not going to pursue the people who are blacklisting me begging for their friendship like I'm, I'm not running after these people or these opportunities i don't need them and i don't want them if if that's the the contingent on which i i must like i must be a certain think a certain thing in order to you know to be friends with you or, or to shoot your movie it's not going to happen um i'm just really curious what the next six months hold when this doc is released what happens you know we're gonna have to do a follow-up to this episode and just see the uh we'll read all your hate notes real hate notes um i might be on dave rubin's show um definitely will be on gavin mckinnis's show and i and i have a feeling that after that it's um blacklist's remarks will be pretty much my life <laughs> I I will have become a blacklisted remark. Well, I think at the same time, while well, you might be excommunicated from one community because we live in what is still at least somewhat of a an a polarized environment, by being excommunicated from one, you will be um, uh, raised on the wings of an eagle in the other. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm still a humanist in that, like, I'm not a fan of that whole tribalist mentality. I'm not trying to, like, you know, become the sensei of one community or another. I'm just, I'm just, I hold particular ideas that happen to uh, piss off at least 50% of the country. So. I think if you hold an idea, you piss off 50% of the country. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's very true. But, you know, audience, leave your, uh, leave your comments in YouTube or or shoot Spencer and I an email. Or or don't if they're not productive. Yeah, I mean if you're just gonna throw ad hominems, don't bother. But if you want to talk, uh, you know that's what Spencer and I do. Yeah, we have conversations. I'm open to a real conversation. Definitely, definitely make us uncomfortable. Slings of blacklisted remarks our way. But uh, thank you all for listening. If you've made it through yeah, to the end, on. you all for listening. Yeah. Thank you, one singular bot, for listening. Yes. We, we do appreciate the time that the Russians gave you on the server. Yeah. <laughs> if only that were true, I wouldn't be in this predicament. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been Blacklisted Remarks. I'm Nick Stumphauser. I'm Spencer Fields. Signing off.